Hello, everyone, and welcome to Riding in Cars with Cats. I'm your host, Mike Tanner, and today's episode is brought to you by Volta. Uh, for those of you not familiar, Volta is a startup incubator in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and are basically fantastic. One of my absolute favorite organizations that there are, and they've asked me to basically share with you a new program that they're working on called Volta Academy. So at the end of this episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about what Volta Academy is and how you can become involved. And in the meantime, we're going to talk a little bit about starting a business. One of the things that I have found over the last uh, couple of years as I've been doing consulting with small and medium-sized businesses is that there is a lot that goes into running a business that when you get started, you really, really don't know about. Uh, And a lot of people sort of try different methods to get going. So they'll go online and look up things here and there, or they'll sort of mimic what they see around them. But a lot of people, one of the major reasons that I find businesses fail is that they just don't have the support in place. And I want to talk today a little bit about how I see successful businesses uh, succeeding and the, the basically the things that they do that are a little bit different from other organizations. And the ways that they've helped myself, uh, my partner, uh, try to grow our own business in a way that made sense for us. And that's the first thing I kind of want to talk about is that if you are on any sort of social media platform right now, specifically, I'm finding it more and more on Instagram, what you're likely getting inundated with is Instagram ads about ways to grow your business. And they're very, very prevalent. Um, I actually like Instagram ads. There's actually been a huge number of really interesting products that I've found on Instagram through ads that I think are great. So from some social media management apps to really cool new tech devices, there's been a lot of stuff. The two that I always find interesting for me are one is, hey, look at me, I'm really fit. You could be fit too. Uh, which is an interesting model for me that, you know, someone from a distance is going to, you know, just give you a program and you're suddenly going to get into great shape. Probably not going to happen. And the other one is probably my least favorite, which is, hey, uh, I know exactly how to make a business grow. And so I want to share that with you. And the reason that I'm critical of these sort of online programs like this is I've actually gone through some of them just to see what they're about and what they're like. I've gone through uh, probably three or four of these different online workshops where people are going to share with you their amazing tricks and tips to gain a Facebook following and how to make your, your ads convert at higher rates and all these kind of things. And there's a couple things from them. The first part is that they are the information that they're basically providing you is, is not any different across the board. I always find it interesting when you hear one of these, uh, you know, individuals talk about how, uh, you know, I am the one, you know, the one person who has discovered this great thing and I'm going to make it happen. I've always been astounded by the fact that 
well, you know, you're, you're actually giving me the same information that the last person gave me and the last person gave me and that I was able to glean from a number of different resources. So one of the things is that those kind of programs are typically just recycled information presented in, in a really good way. And if, if that's your shtick, if that's what you do, if you take existing information that people can't access and you present it in a really interesting way, that's not actually a bad thing. That's perfectly fine. But the one thing, the, the two things that always uh, annoy me about these programs are, number one, um, that <laughs> they always say the same things. Like, I've used this to grow, uh, you know, six, seven-figure programs. I've launched million-dollar businesses, etc. using this program. Unless you are Mother Teresa, there's a very little chance that when you're launching and growing uh, six, seven-figure businesses, that your actual plan is that you want to go and support small businesses in, in growing using the exact same method. That's the first part. And the second part is that they're very generic programs, and they don't take into account one very, very important uh, concept, which is the idea of you have to have a good idea. Um, I've been watching a lot of uh, I've been watching a lot of business movies and business shows lately. Um, just mostly like not documentaries, but um, you know shows like Silicon Valley, movies like Boiler Room, Wolf of Wall Street. Just to just more so because I find them very very interesting, especially those stories that are you know basically true. Uh, and honestly, even a show like Silicon Valley, despite being a comedy on HBO, is really when you have met a few startup um, CEOs and, and you have gone through this, it's not that far off in the way a lot of companies actually get going. And so, but the, the thing that really blows me away with it is the idea that it doesn't matter what your product is, you can go ahead and, and get it there. And the fact of the matter is, is that nothing is going to save a shitty product and People tend to get ahead of themselves using these types of programs by saying, well, all I need is a bigger audience. And a bigger audience for a shitty product isn't really going to do you that much good. It doesn't matter if you have uh, you know, a million people who are kind of following you and seeing what you're doing. When those million people try out that product, uh, you, they're, it's pretty quick that they're not going to like it. And there's so many apps across the globe that have seen sort of some immediate success. They've figured out a way to generate a whole lot of traffic and a whole lot of buzz. And then when you start using the product, you realize this is a literal terrible product. And so, you know, understanding what the customer wants and then being able to present that is such a key component that's missed on so many people's uh, programs. I recently spoke at a conference for WordPress and, um, I met, met a whole bunch of people who were sort of new to it, and one of the things that I met were a bunch of people who were saying who were starting their sort of WordPress businesses, and they were starting businesses basically presenting, uh, building clients WordPress sites, and one of the things that I really found interesting was that some of them, when you kind of push them on, okay, well, what's going to sort of differentiate you in some way, or what's what, how are you going to do this? They had no idea. They just kind of said, well, people want WordPress, so I'm going to try and give it to them. And not being able to differentiate yourself in some way from your competitors, from other businesses, is such a, 
it, it puts you so much behind the eight ball when it comes to what you're actually doing. When you see companies that come out, it, it's possible but not very likely that you're able to come out and compete with existing businesses without some sort of raison d'etre, some reason that you're you know different. Um, prime example, a few years ago, um, everyone was using Dropbox uh, or Google Drive or, or some combination of both. I actually use both. Um, and a new company, re- relatively new company, came out called Box. And it's not a stretch to say that they were basically a Dropbox ripoff. All they wanted to do was what Dropbox did um, with really no major variations. Their selling point in the beginning was, well, you know, Dropbox can be expensive if you want any significant storage. And so we're going to offer you, you know, I think it was 20 gigs for free of storage space. And a lot of people actually signed up for, for Box and uh, and there was some, you know, sort of discussion about, you know, maybe this is a real competitor for Dropbox. But really all they were doing was selling the same product at a lower cost. The product had a lower user base, wasn't really as well crafted when it came to the apps, the online portals, all those sorts of things. And Dropbox eventually said, okay, well, we'll lower these prices a little bit in order to offer people what they want. And I haven't heard much about Box since then. I haven't done any research into this to tell you whether or not Box is still you know, functioning. I'm, I'm quite sure they are. But the idea being is that they wanted to compete with Dropbox, but they had no... There was no plan really on how they were going to compete with Dropbox. They sort of talked about you know collaboration, and Dropbox said, "Well, we can do collaboration. That's not difficult." Well, we're going to you know make it cheap, and he said, "Well, we can do cheap, and we'll actually do a ton of storage for a very very low cost." And so they weren't able to differentiate in any way. I met a few other people at that same conference who specifically spoke about their target, like who their audience was going to be, you know, that they were going to work specifically with a certain group of people because they understood that particular industry. And so they wanted to build sites and help organizations grow that fit within that. And that is fantastic. That's exactly what you should really be striving for when you're deciding to start your business. It's not really enough just to go I find people go in a couple different directions. They either say, I'm just going to do you know, what everyone else is doing, but I'm going to do it cheaper. Or I'm going to just do this and hope people show up. And understanding that your the customer and the need comes first is absolutely huge. A few years ago, I did a course, uh, an online course through uh, Coursera. Um, Coursera is a, f- a mostly free um internet learning platform. So basically, you can take uh, courses on a variety of subjects. Um, there's computer science courses, there's social studies courses, there's you know math, there's, there's basically everything. And you can pay to do sort of specializations, you can pay to get these actually certified as having completed the course from these very good universities. Basically, the difference between Coursera and Udemy is that the courses are actually run by... Um, actual university professors or university faculty rather than simply a, you know, I'm John and I want to teach you about using this. There's some advantages and disadvantages to that. Some of the advantages are they are typically very, very well organized courses. 
they're from people that are used to teaching and understand education. Some of the negatives are that you sometimes don't get some of those niche topics that you're able to get from a Udemy course or a Udacity course or those kind of things. But in any case, I took a course called Human-Computer Interaction. And Human-Computer Interaction was basically user experience. It was about how to come up with an idea and actually push that idea through to, to people in a way that made them want to use your product. And I decided to come up with, and I'll tell you the idea now because I really, it's unlikely that I'm ever going to push it to market. Super complicated, it's kind of over my head, but it was a concept that I wanted to flesh out from a user experience standpoint. So I wanted to create a Google Glass app that was a running companion. And the idea of what this program would do is that you would actually get visual cues while you were running of people you were running against. So what it allowed you to do was have a friend who ran simultaneously and you would see and possibly hear them in front of you or behind you, um, similar to some of the audio cues you get from a program like Zombies Run. And you would get a visual cue showing you like, oh, well, they're just up ahead. You know, I can kind of push it. And the idea was to give them, you know, the same sort of they would be paced against you. And it would also let you do things like, hey, I want to run the Boston Marathon. And so you take all the data from everyone that competed in the Boston Marathon and you end up running and seeing these groups of people you're passing, how you're doing compared to various people in that, in that thing. And, and you could also run against yourself. You could say, um, you know, my run last week, I want to run against that run. And so you'd see and hear yourself in front of you. And, and it was a program that I really thought out and, and thought, oh, this is kind of neat. And one of the things that we did through this program was we had to, and I, I love this component of it, we had to go find people, both random as well as friends and people we thought would be the target audience for this program, and ask them what they thought. We had to talk to them about the program itself, how it operated, what it did, what they thought of those things. And also when we built sort of a low fidelity version of the app, we had to get some feedback from them on what they thought about that version. And one of the things I found really interesting was that the components that I thought were really, really interesting, no one shared my opinion on that. The, the parts of the program that I talked about in terms of things like the Boston Marathon, um, these people had no real interest in those sorts of things. But the parts that I didn't really th care about that much, which were running against yourself, running against a friend, specifically running against a friend, I never thought that was something that people would want to do. Um, and they sort of explained like, look, that would be amazing. Imagine that you were running with a friend. And, and a lot of us have friends we run with. When I started running, I was running with a friend. We would go to the Point Pleasant Park every morning or a few mornings a week and run. And I actually liked having those conversations with him while we were running, specifically while we were walking. He would always ask me a question right as we were about to run, knowing that I'm not nearly fit enough to run and talk at the same time. And he thought that was quite hilarious. And when we went to do a walk, because we did interval training, uh, I would then answer whatever questions we'd talk about. But one of the things they said was, imagine that you have a friend. I mean, I'll take, for example, myself. My best friend lives in Ottawa. So imagine that your friend lives in Ottawa and you used to run together, but you can't anymore because of whatever. So imagine that you could run 
and see what they were running like and run sort of with them. Um, and what it would do is if they had already ran, you would sort of see them and see what they were doing. Uh, but if they hadn't run yet, they would see what you were doing. Or you actually had the option of running at the same time, including a voice chat program. So you'd basically be talking to each other over a voice call while you were running with each other. So you'd physically see each other. You could stay in the same pace. You could chat. You could talk. You could talk about what you see. All these different things. And it was really quite interesting. We talked about taking the you know, the, the whole thing into a sort of collaborative space. And this is something I never really thought about. But when you started talking to customers and I started talking to these individuals, they sort of said, well, these are the things that would actually sell us on this product, not the things that you think will actually sell you on this product. And that's one of the things also that people don't necessarily understand is that your idea has to be flexible enough to conform to what people actually want. It's fine if you've just decided, look, I'm going full scale ahead with this and I'm, I'm going to do this. But when you get feedback from real people who say, these are the things that we would really love to see in an app, in a program, in a website, in a business, you sort of get that component. And I have lots of friends who work in so many different industries that have been successful by figuring out what it was that people actually wanted from them and being able to deliver that. Um, I've got friends who make retail products, you know, crafty type products, and they found that, oh, you know what, this whole line of things that is the, the reason I started doing this doesn't really sell to people, but this other sort of side part of it, this is what people are really interested in. And as we go through all that, it's it ends up being um, a real positive for them. So, you know, I had a friend, I have a friend who does... Um, fair trade felt products. Uh, it's a sort of a social uh, justice project that she does, um, supporting uh, actual paid labor um, overseas and making these incredible products. If you ever get a chance to check it out, it's called Fibers of Life. They make some of the most beautiful bags, purses, laptop sleeves, all these kind of things. They're just really, really beautiful products. And at one point, they had sort of leftover materials that they were using for different things. They decided to make a dog bone and uh, have that be a product that they sold. And the reaction to that particular product was incredible because the, the actual felt that they use, the felted wool that they use, is safe. It's non-toxic, which is not common amongst these things. Um, uh, felt can actually be poison basically if it's not if it's dyed with with poisons um and so they made this product that was safe for animals and was really really nice and animals seemed to love it and it was sort of a you know it wasn't really part of the plan per se but when they started making that product they started, they've made more and more of that product because of how passionate their customers are about that individual product and i think that those kind of things are are super important the other thing is trying to get on your feet as quickly as possible. Um, it talked about in the startup industry as MVP, minimum viable product. Basically getting something out there that allows people to start interacting with you in some way. And as a web developer, I get this all the time from individuals who are that we're, that we're building sites for. So they'll have, say, 10 components that they really, really want this website to have. And we'll have eight or nine of them all fleshed out exactly how they want them. And we'll be sort of 
working on one last component that they're just sort of you know going back and forth on humming and hawing on and we might take a month or two months longer to actually get that website to market because we're looking at one small feature that's just a very very small component of the actual project and understanding that it would be much better to get that project live to get people to start interacting with it and then sort of build on it as you need to with these sort of secondary things is key. We're working on a project right now where we talked about the idea of, look, this is what we want and we can build all that stuff after, but we need to get this site out there and get people starting to use it. This other part is sort of an extraneous you know, aspect of it and we really need to get it out there as quickly as possible. And I see all these people with great ideas who are just sitting on them because they can't quite tweak every single piece that they want to tweak. And the one thing I will tell you is that if you're waiting for your product to be perfect before you get it out there, you're going to wait forever. There is always something to improve on what you're doing. And if you take too much time, you basically miss out on the market. So if you do all of your front end market analysis, hey, you know what, I'm gonna build a widget, this widget is really needed right now. It's really wanted. People are interested in it, yada, yada, yada. And it's going to take me years to go ahead and push that out, or in some cases, even months. By the time you actually push that product out, there's a chance that either A, someone else has figured out that that widget is super important and key to people, or B, no one cares anymore. It's not re- it's not hitting the market where it needs to anymore. So understanding that... Um, you know that that's an important part of it is a big part of of getting your business off the ground, um, and a lot of the people that I talk to, it comes to a point where I I basically use the <laughs> the common adage to shit or get off the pot, and I basically what it means is look I, your idea is literally worth nothing until you've actually started getting it out there. And it's important not to get it out too early to where you haven't figured out what it is you actually have in your hands, but it's important not to get it out too late to the point where it's no longer going to be something that works. So the reason that I sort of have this particular talk today is that I know a lot of people who are interested in starting their own businesses and and a lot who have started their own businesses in the last little while who've struggled with getting those businesses off the ground. They've struggled with a huge number of components of, you know, how to basically do that. And I was approached by Volta to talk a little bit about a product, uh, a program that they're coming out with called Volta Academy. So what Volta Academy basically is, is a is a startup school to a certain extent. Um, Volta's always been fantastic about putting out programs, lunch and learns, courses, etc., on how to do different things. But what they want to do is sort of build this sort of high intensity training program that gets people from point A to point B. So it works its way through um, the business model itself, uh, understanding your customers through a customer validation program building that MVP out, what that needs to contain, what that doesn't need to contain. And then one of the most important things that, that companies tend to sort of sort of skip out on a little bit is telling your story, like why is this the product? And the one thing I love about Volta is that it is really such a great collaborative, cooperative community. I've only been to Volta a couple of times because, as you likely know, uh, I'm also a full-time stay-at-home dad, so my days are not spent in offices. My days are spent mostly on playgrounds. Um, 
I really wanted to go into the Fresh Prince theme song there for a second, but I don't know it as well as people like Ross Simmons would know it. So I'm going to back off on it. But the one thing that I've loved about Volta when I've been there is that it it has a feel that you're very comfortable very quickly. It doesn't have a a feel where you're not welcome or you're not at home. It's very quickly, hey, we're here to help. That's what we do. That's the sole purpose of what we do. And so I would really encourage people who uh, want to check it out, to check out Volta Labs, um, physically, online, you know, on social, all these sorts of things. I think that um, for a lot of people, they're probably a resource that they don't understand very well. Their ability to help out people is really incredible and in a lot of ways that people don't necessarily recognize in terms of their support systems for coming in and being a network member where you're able to use sort of some common space and meet people and networking and all these sorts of things. There's really a lot to offer from that organization. And one of the things that people tend to do with their, with their businesses is go on their own and sort of try and fly by the seat of their pants. And I would strongly recommend against that when you have support organizations like Volta that are right in our own backyard. So as per usual, I hope everyone enjoyed. If you have any questions, please feel free to get in touch. Um, it's Mike at OneRedCat.com. One is spelled out. It's not the number one. And you can also check us out pretty much on any platform at OneRedCatMedia. And if you have any questions, anything we can help out with, you're interested to know more about the Volta product or, or program, sorry, or you're interested to know more about what we do, please reach out. We'd always love to hear from you. So thank you very much and have a great day.